Chapter twenty of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee, Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter twenty. Valley au Loup, November eighteen seventeen. Last lines written at the Valley au Loup. A revelation of the mystery of my life. Having returned from Montboissier, these are the last lines which I trace in my hermitage. Must I abandon it, filled as it is with the beautiful plants, which had already begun to conceal and to crown their father by their thronging rose? I shall no more see the magnolia, which promised its rose for the tomb of my Floridienne, the Jerusalem pine and the cedar of Lebanon, consecrated to the memory of Jerome, the Granada laurel, the Platanus of Greece, and the oak of Armorica, at the foot of which I drew the image of Bianca, sang Simodosia, and invented Valeda. Those trees sprang up and grew under the care of my reveries. They were the Hamadryads. They are about to pass into the care of another. Will their new master love them, as I have always loved them? He will leave them to die, perhaps cut them down. I am about to preserve nothing on the earth. In bidding adieu to the woods of Onay, I recall that which I formerly said to the woods of Combourg. All my days are adieu. The taste for poetry with which Lucille inspired me was oil thrown upon fire. My sentiments took a new degree of force. I was filled with the desire for the vanity of reputation. For a moment I believed in my talents. But having soon returned to a just distrust of myself, I looked upon my work as an evil temptation. I was vexed with Lucille, for having given birth in me to an unfortunate inclination. I ceased to write, and betook myself to weeping over my glory to come, as others weep over their glory departed. Having resumed my former indolence, I felt more what was wanting to my youth. I became a mystery to myself. I could not see a woman without being troubled. I blushed if one spoke to me. My timidity, already excessive towards every one, became so great with a woman that I would have preferred any torment whatsoever to that of remaining alone with one. She was no sooner gone than I would have recalled her with all my heart. The descriptions of Virgil, Tibullus, and Massillon readily recurred to my memory but the image of my mother and my sister sheltering everything under its purity added thickness to the veil which nature was endeavouring to lift filial and fraternal affection deceived me with respect to tenderness less disinterested had any one delivered to me the most beautiful slaves of the seraglia i should not have known what to say to them accident enlightened me a neighbour of ours at combourg had come to pass some days at the castle bringing his wife who was very handsome i do not remember what it was which was taking place in the village we ran to one of the windows of the drawing-room to look at what was going on i reached the window first the stranger came close upon my footsteps i wished to give place to her and turned towards her she involuntarily barred my way and i felt myself pressed between her and the window i was no longer conscious of what was passing around me from that moment i began to feel that to love and to be loved in a manner which was unknown to me must be supreme happiness had i done as other men do i should sooner have learned the pains and the pleasures of the passion the germ of which i carried in myself but everything in me assumed an extraordinary character the warmth of my imagination my bashfulness and solitude instead of prompting me to seek sympathy from without caused me to turn back upon myself for want of a real object by the power of my vague desires i evoked a phantom which never quitted me more i know not whether the history of the human heart furnishes another example of this kind a phantom of love i pictured then to myself an ideal beauty moulded from the various charms of all the women i had seen she had the figure the hair and the smile of the stranger who had pressed against me i gave her the eyes of one young village girl and the rosy freshness of another 
the portraits of noble ladies of the times of francis i henry the fourth and louis fourteenth with which the saloon was hung furnished me with other features and i even stole graces from the different representations of the virgin to be found in the churches this invisible enchantress constantly attended me i communed with her as with a real being she varied at the will of my wandering fancy now she was aphrodite unveiled now diana clothed in azure and dew now thalia with her laughing mask now hebe bearing the cup of eternal youth and often she appeared in the guise of a powerful fay bringing nature into subjection to my power i touched and retouched my canvas i took one attraction from my ideal beauty to replace it by a superior one i changed her costume in a thousand ways borrowing my ideas from every country and age from every art and religion then when i had made a chef d'oeuvre i again scattered my drawings and colours my single ideal being was remodelled into a number of beautiful women in whom i idolised separately the charms which i had adored when united in one object pygmalion was not so enamoured of his statue as i of this creation of my fancy my difficulty was how to make myself pleasing to her not recognising in my real self any of the qualities fitted to inspire love i lavished on my imaginary self what appeared to me wanting i rode like castor and pollux i swept the lyre like apollo mars wielded his arms with less strength and address as a hero of romance or history what fictitious adventures of my own did i not add to those related the shades of the daughters of morven the sultanas of baghdad and granada the mysterious ladies of old manners baths perfumes asiatic delights all were appropriated to myself by a magic wand a young queen approaches brilliant with diamonds and flowers this was always myself she seeks me at midnight amidst orange groves in the corridors of a palace washed by the waves on the balmy shore of naples or messina under a sky like love itself bathed in the soft light of endymion's star she comes nearer gliding among motionless statues herself like an animated statue from the chisel of praxiteles among shadowy pictures and frescoes silent and pale in the rays of the moon the light sound of her steps on the mosaic floor mingles with the scarcely heard murmur of the waves the royal lattice encircles us i fall at the feet of the sovereign of enna's plains the silken waves of her unbound tresses caress my brow when she bends her head beauteous in the freshness of sixteen summers over my face and her hands rest on my breast palpitating with ecstasy and reverence awaking from these dreams and finding myself a poor little obscure breton without fame beauty or talent who would attract the eyes of no one would pass through the world entirely unknown and would never gain the love of woman despair seized upon me i no longer dared to raise my eyes to the brilliant phantom which i had attached to my every step End of chapter twenty